At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Zadenberg here with you. It's the look ahead on VCND Sports Betting Network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. So much conversation about Dave Roberts pulling Clayton Kershaw after seven perfect innings in the Dodgers' victory over the Minnesota Twins. And I started to have this thought, and I almost tweeted it out. But imagine being the person because you know these bets are out there. And somebody definitely has made this bet. Will there be a perfect game thrown this season? And I'm sure someone got some pretty decent plus money odds at will there be a perfect game thrown this season? And you add seven perfect innings from Clayton Kershaw, and then he gets pulled from the game. Or you know somebody probably placed a bet about Will there be a no-hitter thrown before a certain date? Or maybe someone like every day places a bet on, will there be a no-hitter today? And just imagine like having that or just being in a spot to have a bet somewhere, somehow, on a no-hitter or perfect game to be thrown and to watch Kershaw come out of the game after seven perfect innings is just absolutely Wild. Uh, it was a fun day in Major League Baseball. A lot of uh, day games as it was getaway day for um, most uh, most teams. Um, taking a look at what went down here uh, on the board. Uh, MLB favorites on the uh, tw- uh, yesterday did very, very well. 12-2. and two. Talked about that. Here, looking at what went down on the board on Wednesday, the Nationals won as dogs against the Braves. Congratulations. The Pirates won as dogs against the Cubs. This was kind of like, those were also popular picks uh, as well. The Guardians beat the Reds as a small, um, I guess they were a small dog, okay? You had the Mets over the Phillies as a favorite. Red Sox over the Tigers as a favorite. And by the way, last night when we talked about this game, and I said, I wonder, like, what happens? Does, because it was Eduardo Rodriguez starting for the Tigers. So the thought process was, the Red Sox know everything there is to know about Eduardo Rodriguez. 
that their coaches were going to have every batter prepared for anything that they could see from Eduardo. So I was like, one of two things could happen. Eduardo Rodriguez could be so amped up to play against his former team that he uh, pitches lights out, shuts them down. Or him being too amped up is an adverse effect, and he winds up throwing, not, you know, not finding the strike zone, plus the familiarity because of the Red Sox pitching staff and, and, and everyone is familiar with him. I thought the, that was going to be the situation, that the Red Sox would rock him. And they did. They tagged him for seven runs. Uh, Red Sox win 9-7 to seven in that one. Dodgers, of course, the 7-0 shutout win over the Twins. Diamondbacks, as an underdog, beat the Astros 3-2 in extra innings. Uh, the Giants, as a small favorite, almost a pick em, beat the Padres 2-1. The A's, as an underdog, over the Rays 4-2. Brewers beat the Orioles. Uh, the Blue Jays, as an underdog, beat the Yankees. Vlad Guerrero homered three times in this one. The White Sox... Uh, edged out the Mariners in a game that was very close. The White Sox might have gone off as the favorite. If not, this game was a pick em. Robbie Ray getting the start for uh, Seattle. So let's take a look at the board here on Thursday. You got the A's and the Rays, and Tampa Bay minus 210 in this one. Uh, so far between these two teams, um, the, Ray, the A's have won two of the three games that they have played so far. So Tampa looking to earn themselves a split of this four-game set. White Sox, and uh, it's Cole Irvin against Josh Fleming in that one. White Sox and Mariners will play a uh, day game early. Um, the Mariners have lost two straight to the White Sox. Does this now fall into the category that we were talking about before, about the teams that you know lose the first two games I'm I'm going to monitor this, but perhaps the Mariners are the play here. They dropped the first two games. It's now getaway day in Chicago. The Mariners will go to, where are they going to next? They're going from Chicago to uh, home. They're going home to face the Astros. And the White Sox are going, let's see, home, they are home now. They will stay home to face Tampa Bay. So only getaway day for the uh, Mariners. But because Seattle lost the first two games, I'm going to lean with them here because we saw it happen already in the first series of the year. Maybe this translates to um, this series. Uh, Logan Gilbert against Jimmy Lambert in that one. The Cardinals take on the Brewers in Milwaukee. It is the home opener. For the Brew Crew, Brandon Woodruff on the hill against Adam Wainwright. The Nationals will take on the Pirates in Pittsburgh. Uh, by the way, Milwaukee is the favorite, minus 145 in that one. I like the Cardinals, but it is opening day, so I'm a little weary there. Opening day for the, the, the Brewers, home opener. Uh, Pirates against the Nationals. JT Brubaker against Johan, Johan Adon for the Nationals. Adon against the Mets in his first start was tagged for four runs in four and a third innings. Pirates are minus 130 in this one. Although JT Brubaker in his first start was tagged for four runs in three innings against the uh, Cardinals. 
You got the Phillies and the Marlins. Kyle Gibson against Sandy Alcantara. So it is Sandy Day. Miami is a minus 120 favorite. The Phillies, who started the season off so well with the two wins against the A's before dropping that Sunday game, they win the first game in come-from-behind fashion against the Mets. Then they get shut out, and then they tried to come back here again on Wednesday, but they fell short. So they dropped two of three to the Mets. Blue Jays and Yankees will play the uh, fourth game of this set with the uh, Blue Jays winning two of the first three. And in this one, it'll be Kevin Gosman against Luis Severino. The Yankees are a minus 125 favorite. Angels take on the Rangers. Shohei Otani gets his second start of the season against Dane Dunning for Texas. Dunning, in his first start, gave up three runs on five hits to the Toronto Blue Jays, while Shohei the Money um, pitched uh, well in um, his uh, first outing um, of the season against Houston. Just one run allowed on four hits in four and two-thirds innings. The Braves are at the Padres. San Diego minus 115. Joe Musgrove against Charlie Morton. Tigers at the Royals. I'm interested in this one. Casey Mize against Zach Greinke. Casey Mize in his first start of the year. Not great. Tagged for four runs on seven hits in five innings against the White Sox. Zach Greinke, meanwhile, in his first start against Cleveland, Gave up one run on five hits in five and two-thirds. So, Granke has the slight edge just based off the first game of the year. KC is minus 125 at home there. Total of eight and a half. Cubs will take on the Rockies in Colorado. How about the Rockies? Off to a four and one start to the season. Kyle Freeland gets the start against Justin Steele. Kyle Freeland was, um, how do we put it? Not good. (laughs) In his first start against the Dodgers, five runs allowed on five hits in just three and two-thirds innings. Meanwhile, Justin Steele gets his second start, and against the Brewers, he threw five shutout innings, allowing just four hits while striking out five. Colorado minus 130 in this one. And uh, the nightcap will be the Reds at the Dodgers. Walker Bueller against Luis Sessa. And the Dodgers are the heaviest favorite on the board at minus 265 with a total of eight and a half. I, the reason why I bet the Dodgers here against in the first five innings uh, against the Twins. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, Kershaw had a strong spring, and I was looking for Kershaw to get off to a good start while... For the Twins, Chris Paddock playing his first game for Minnesota because he was traded to them late. Uh, His spring training starts were not good for San Diego. Also, I thought the Dodgers on Tuesday night discovered something about their offense. They found something because in the eighth inning, they exploded for six runs without a home run, by the way. And then in the ninth inning, they left the bases loaded in the eighth. And then they left the bases loaded again in the ninth. So we're talking two straight innings. One inning where they scored six runs. Another inning they didn't score, but they still loaded the bases. And I thought that would carry over a little momentum here into Wednesday. And it did. Loaded the bases in the first inning. Scored a couple of runs. Loaded the bases again in the second inning. Uh, they wound up, you know, having a 3 nothing lead after five innings. And then later in the game, a little, another late-game magic as they uh, hit back-to-back-to-back home runs in the eighth inning and wound up winning 7 to nothing. Uh, Let's think about what is the best bet on the board here for Thursday's slate in Major League Baseball. And is it simply just following that trend, like I said, in the Mariners-White Sox of the team that drops the first two games, winning the third game of the series, or do we stay away from that and go somewhere else? I have a couple of leans. We'll explain them coming up next. I'm Scott Sadenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Sandberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Let's talk about the leans here for Wednesday's baseball slate. And the play of the day, we will continue to tweet out. So you got to follow me on Twitter at Scott's on air. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Actually settled in on the play of the day for Wednesday, late on Tuesday. So we sent that out in the uh, VSIN subscriber email as well. It was the Dodgers in the first five innings. Uh, So far, the play of the day on the season is six and one on the year. Six and one is the play of the day. We had won our first three in a row. Then we lost, and now we've won three in a row again. So six and one going to uh, went, going to Thursday. Here's a couple of leans: Pirates against the Nationals. The Pirates are actually sneaky decent. Like I don't think they're that bad. Okay, um, Ben Gamble can hit. Cabrian Hayes. Uh, just went four for four in their 6-2 win over the Cubs. Does JT Brubaker work concern me? Yeah, he does. <laughs> Especially looking at how bad he was in the first start against St. Louis. He only lasted three innings, and he gave up four runs and a home run. He walked three batters. 
So it was really just, it was a bad second inning for him. So this is what happened in this first start, which by the way, when you're handicapping baseball, I mean, this is what I do a lot. The box score only tells you so much. I like to look back and see what happened in in these games. And if I can go back and watch a little bit of the start, I'll go back and watch a little bit of the start. For instance, let me just, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bring this up just for a, you know, comparison, whatever. But the other day, it was Phillies against the Mets. And Ranger Suarez got the start for the Phillies. Now, he's a guy that I was very high on, obviously. I, I bet him at 95-1 to 1 to win the, uh, the um, uh, Cy Young, but whatever. Okay, So it's Friday night. Ranger Suarez, right, gets the start. If you look at Ranger Suarez's box score, now he was on a pitch count. They were only going to let him go 65 pitches, but he threw 63 pitches in just two and two-thirds innings. He gave up three runs on five hits, only struck out a batter. That line does not look good. However, let's examine what happened in that game. In the first inning, Brandon Nimmo singled to lead off the game. Starling Marte is the second batter. Hits a comebacker to the mound that deflects off of Suarez's glove and the third baseman, Alec Bone picks it up, throws it away, and that was the first of three errors for Alec Bohm in that game. But that's not, the error didn't matter right now. What matters is, if Suarez fields that ball, which, if you asked him, he probably says, nine times out of ten, I field that ball. It hit him in the palm of the glove. If he fields that ball, He turns the double play. So instead of it being second and third and nobody out because of the throwing error by Alec Bohm, there's two outs and nobody on base. The entire start completely changes from that moment on. So I always like to look at what went down in these starts. So... The Cardinals scored four runs off of Brewbreaker early on in the game. Well, what happened? Well, let's see. There was a Carlson double that led off the inning, followed by a Paul Goldschmidt walk. Right then and there, you're off to a bad start. Then it was an infield single that allowed Carlson to score. I'd like to go back and watch that play and find out what happened there on that infield single. Then, there was, uh, oh, I think that was the play that Cabrian Hayes got hurt on. Yeah, okay. That was the play where Cabrian Hayes dove and got hurt and had to come out of the game. And, all right. Now it kind of, now it's, uh, now it's, bringing back a little little memory here. So if Cabrian Hayes doesn't hurt his wrist while diving to make that play, maybe they get an out. Maybe they turn two. I don't know. But anyway, everyone was safe. One run scored. 
He then gets out of the inning, only allowing the one run. In the second inning, infield single to shortstop, then a ground out, then a strikeout, then a walk, and a Tyler O'Neill home run. So, those are the only runs that he gave up. The play on which Cabrian Hayes got hurt and what could probably be a mistake pitch to Tyler O'Neill that he hits for a three-run home run. Now we look at Adon for the Nationals. And this is a guy who made a leap here from the minors to the majors. He's a, um, you know, prized prospect, I guess. Uh, Let's see. Last season, combined, uh, let's see, Nationals, uh, we want to see here. Mm, In triple A last year, well, let's just look in three A's. From A ball to double A to triple A, because he shot through the system. Going from high A ball to double A to triple A, all in the same season. And in the minors collectively, 122 strikeouts in 105 innings. So, absolutely impressive there. 58 earned runs, an ERA of 4.97. 94 hits in 105 innings. So, a little less than a hit per inning. Okay. There was a lot of talk about this guy because he got called up and made a start at the end of the year. Last season, it was the final game. And what maybe it was the final game of the regular season? I forgot when it was, but he struck out nine batters in his one start at the end of the year. And all of a sudden, everyone's like in love with this kid. So, okay, now he gets the call up and he's going to start this year at the major league level. I don't know if he's ready for the major league level. And in his first start against the Mets, He gives up four runs in four and a third innings on a home run as well. It was the Pete Alonso Grand Slam. So let's look at what happened in Adon's first start. Brandon Nimmo leads off the game with a single. Starling Marte, a hard ball lined out to center field. Francisco Lindor walks. Then you get a Pete Alonso strikeout and a uh, McNeil flyout. That's how he gets out of the first inning. Then he actually pitched well until the fourth inning. And that's where everything unraveled. It also coincided with the, or it wasn't the fourth inning, it was the fifth inning. It also coincided with the third time through the lineup. You had a McCann single, a Nimmo walk, a Lindor walk, a Pete Alonso grand slam, four runs in that fifth inning. So, he pitched well to start the game, but the more times the Mets saw him as they got through the game, they were able to tag him. They were able to put up a big inning. All in all, as I mentioned, he uh, gave up the one home run, which accounted for all four of those runs. But he did give up four hits, 
And the one thing that I just, you know, really the red flag here, four walks and only one strikeout, or three strikeouts, excuse me, but four walks, 86 pitches, 47 of them for strikes. Too many walks. So I'm honestly leaning Pittsburgh here in this matchup. I'm, that's going to be it's one of my strong leans here for Thursday's board is the Pirates at home against the Nationals. Talk about another, talk about other leans. Plus, we got to get into the NFL draft because it's coming up here soon in Las Vegas. And maybe there's a new name on the top of the draft board. We'll get into that as well coming up. This is The Look Ahead with me, Scott Seidenberg, here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Scott Sandberg here with you. It's the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The NFL draft coming up on Thursday, the 28th, just a couple of weeks away here in Las Vegas. Here to help us talk about all the action coming in on the NFL draft. He is Benjamin Brown from Pro Football Focus. And Ben, let's get into. The drama at the top of the draft, it at one point was between the tackles. Evan Neal, Iki Iquonu were debating. The odds have shifted. What, you know, Evan Neal at one point was minus 150, minus 200. Then all of a sudden, it's Aiden Hutchinson, and he's pretty locked in there. Solid. Number one overall pick. Now we're hearing Trayvon Walker. What has been the conversation surrounding Walker? Why? Has he shot up the odds here to be the number one overall pick? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's, it's really the 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 athletic traits, basically, uh, and that high upside type of player that uh, teams covered at the top of the draft, right? Trayvon Walker, maybe a little bit uh, hidden in that Georgia defense, wasn't necessarily asked to be, uh, you know, a legitimate playmaker on every single down, kind of like how the rest of uh, that defense evolved a lot of really solid playmakers, no real uh, player that needed to be the absolute guy in every single play. So uh, a little bit of, you know, an athletic freak like Trayvon Walker doesn't necessarily have a lot of the, you know, peripheral stats that you'd be looking for from the edge rush position, but uh, has all the physical traits on specimen in order to kind of be one of these top end guys. And I think that's why uh, you've seen him, you know, rise up draft boards so, so quickly, because I think you look at a guy like Aiden Hutchinson looks like a guy that could be, you know, a, a really solid 10 year starter in the NFL at the edge rush position, but uh, maybe doesn't have that type of upside to be uh, the perennial number one player at that position uh, for year in and year out. So I do think that's why you're seeing Walker uh, gravitate more towards being uh, at least at least challenging Aiden Hutchinson to be the number one overall pick. But I think when it's all said and done, uh, it's definitely going to be Hutch as that top guy selected. Will the Lions pick change if Walker goes number one and Hutchinson's available at number two? Yeah, I, I definitely think we're going to see Hutchinson, you know, if he does fall out of that first spot, he's definitely going to be selected number two overall, whether it is with Detroit uh, or a trade as well. I do think, you know, they're kind of the key to uh, unlocking the top half of the NFL draft, right? We, you know, initially 
talking about rumors we've heard, uh, you know, Malik Willis potentially being in that spot at a certain point in time. Uh, now things are kind of settling in more toward uh, the secondary edge rushers like Kayvon Thibodeau, like Trayvon Walker. Um, I think maybe they could be active in the trade market as well. So given how that first like, first selection plays, that I definitely think we're going to see, you know, a lot of optionality for uh, the Detroit Lions at number two. Could you see them drafting Malik Willis? Like, it, it, could you see the Lions going for a quarterback? I, I I was more on board with it earlier on in this draft cycle. I do think that, you know, taking a step back, um, Malik Willis just isn't isn't probably worthwhile or justified to be that number two overall selection. So I don't think that's the direction that Detroit's going to go. I do think they probably want to build up defense side of the football with Dan Campbell uh, kind of focusing on that side. Uh, so I do think we're going to see, you know, one of these edge rushers probably select that too if they do stay in that position. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what quarterback uh, actually ends up being the first overall, you know, quarterback off the board, given, uh, you know, the odds have definitely shifted in that market as well. So if the Carolina Panthers uh, are that team, that is the team that's going to select the quarterback first, is it Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are, again, you know, they're connecting the di- uh, connecting the dots, basically, with Kenny Pickett uh, and Matt Rule, you know, the whole idea of him, you know, recruiting uh, Kenny Pickett out of high school to play at Temple. That didn't necessarily come to fruition, but it does seem like, you know, Matt Rule uh, can definitely, uh, you know, has a lot of the history with Kenny Pickett. Uh, so I do think that maybe that makes sense, but I still think Malik Willis has a much higher ceiling outcome uh, at the quarterback position, definitely has the highest ceiling in this particular draft class. So I think he still needs to be the number one uh, quarterback off the board. Uh, that's not necessarily where the odds direction has been. I think he was up to minus 200, now down to minus 150. So uh, people are buying into the narrative with Kenny Pickett, but it's not a spot that I'm necessarily buying into right now. Can I sell you on uh, the idea that the Giants who have picks five and seven would be willing to part ways with number five to a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers who would want to leapfrog the Carolina Panthers to select Malik Willis. Yeah, I I, I could definitely be sold on it. I know, you know, people have talked about the Steelers. Uh, do they have an, enough ammunition with just draft picks in order to get up to number five overall? What would they have to give up next year? But uh, I think that they have identified and, you know, rightfully so they have one really glaring need uh, on their overall roster. That's the quarterback position. They did get Mitchell Trubisky, uh, but I still think getting a young signal caller as well uh, definitely fills out that quarterback room really well for Pittsburgh. So uh, I could see it with uh, Kenny Pickett maybe moving up to five. I do think if they got, you know, to 11 or 12, they could still land a guy like Malik Willis. And then I also think, you know, Desmond Ritter makes a lot of sense uh, in the back half of the first round as well. So uh, I I personally wouldn't want to see any team trade up to number five overall mm. to get Kenny Pickett especially. But uh, for a couple of these other quarterback prospects, I could definitely uh, be interested in it. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with the Saints. I think they're the more likely team to actually move up uh, into that top five. Uh, spot in order to draft a quarterback, but uh, the Steelers are definitely an option there as well. well. That's what I was just going to ask you. How did that Saints-Eagles trade shake up the first-round potential here? Yeah, definitely. I think it. I think it moves. You know, things pretty dramatically here. Obviously, the Saints think you know they're only a player to away as well can potentially go on this, you know, competitive rebuild type of situation. If they do get somebody, you know, at the quarterback position to compete with Jameis Winston, they obviously have, you know, a lot of skill position players still around them in order to uh, benefit that offense. 
I don't necessarily think they're uh, probably as close as what they think their current moves indicate right now. So uh, we'll see if they end up going that quarterback route. Some people have mentioned, you know, offensive linemen as well. But uh, I think if you're giving up that much draft capital, it absolutely has to be for a quarterback in that particular spot. So uh, I think they make a lot of sense as well. And I do think that kind of, you know, indicates that we're going to probably see, you know, three to four quarterbacks selected in the first round of the NFL draft. Wow. Uh, who's going to be the first wide receiver taken off the board? Yeah, this is this has been kind of a, you know, uh, moving quite a bit as well. I was on board with Jameson Williams uh, from, you know, basically a month and a half ago when that market first opened up. He was at plus 800, moved out to plus 850. And then, you know, given given how these markets actually move with the information, the rumors and those sorts of things, like Dane Brugler basically put out, you know, a lot of teams have Jamison Williams as the number one wide receiver option on their particular draft board. That basically caused his odds to move from plus 800 to plus 400, uh, 10% change in applied probability. But I still think he is, you know, once again, uh, what I'm seeking out in the draft is players that, uh, kind of have that high ceiling type of outcome can be, you know, the best player at that particular position uh, for a number of years. And I do think Jameson Williams is the best wide receiver prospect uh, in this particular draft. So even at plus 400, given the latest odd shift, I still think he would be uh, the spot that I'm betting on to be that first wide receiver off the board. How many wide receivers do you think go in the first round? So we're at five and a half right now. I do. Uh, it is interesting because I'm I'm not overly high on Garrett Wilson or Drake London to go, you know, under 10.5 draft picks mm -hmm. uh, in order to kind of fit that narrative. But I could see, you know, a run on the wide receiver position, especially in the back half of the draft. I do think that, you know, given what we saw through free agency, uh, high value at that particular position. Now, I do think that's going to maybe uh, move some general managers to potentially gravitate toward and want that fifth year option uh, on guys in the back half of the first round. So we could see, you know, some teams potentially trade up from second round picks into the first round uh, in order to lock in that fifth year option and get that wide receiver uh, on that rookie contract. Cause I do think that's kind of uh, the direction that the team building approach uh, is definitely having give definitely heading, giving, you know, the signal that we got from free agency this year. What team do you think Ben is going to, have the greatest impact uh, this next season by this draft. So who's going to take the player that is going to maybe start right away that's going to impact that team and improve them for this coming season? Yeah, definitely. I do think it's going to be the, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles obviously still have, you know, two picks in the middle of the first round. Absolutely need to hit on those. I do think that uh, everyone's kind of projecting them to uh, go wide receiver with one of those options, get a guy opposite Devontae Smith, mm. uh, you know, regulate Jalen Rager out to, you know, a third or fourth wide receiver option. If they can hit on that particular guy in the middle of the first round, especially if, you know, a guy like Drake London or Garrett Wilson drops, or they take a flyer on Jameson Williams, that's going to be the impact player that I do think can potentially get them over the hurdle, get them into the playoffs and actually make them, you know, somewhat of a legitimate contender in the NFC uh, and what's a really down conference. So I think they have a lot of optionality given their two picks can definitely land a playmaker on both the offensive and defensive side of the football. And I do think they're going to be the team that uh, is probably discussed the most heading out of the draft as uh, being, being, being the best team that actually, you know, improved their stock the most uh, heading into, you know, training camp. I'm upset. You didn't say my New York jets. Cause I oh, think at 10 wide receiver could be in play. Right. Kayvon Thibodeau at four Drake London at 10. Let's go. Zach Wilson's ready. <laughs> I got my, I got my jets futures already locked in. I think they, I think they are, you know, the team that 
uh, people want the Jacksonville Jaguars to be this year, but uh, I'm, I'm a Zach Wilson fan, have been for the past couple of years, and I would really <laughs> like to see him take that step forward here in year two. So I'm with you on the Jets' futures, that's for sure. Man, appreciate the time and the conversation. I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Have a great show. There he is, Benjamin Brown. Check him out, Pro Football Focus. We'll have definitely more on the draft as it quickly approaches. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VEASAN. The NFL Draft right here in Vegas. We will have extensive coverage, including mock drafts from Matt Humans, Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM. He's going to give his draft analysis. Plus, VSIN host Mike Pritchard, who was a first-round pick at the wide receiver position. Sean King, Super Bowl-winning champ quarterback. They're going to give you insight that you can bet on. Plus, legendary sports broadcaster and the voice of the Las Vegas Raiders, Brent Musburger, will give his draft best bets it's all in our NFL Draft betting guide. Sign up today. Get full access to VSIN through the NFL Draft for only $19 at vsin.com slash spring. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. I think mock drafts are funny because so many people do a mock draft and, you know, it is what it is. How many people are actually super accurate? All- At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary. At Bet365, 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It takes is one trade, and the mocks get completely ripped up. So it's like it, you can. That's why, like our, our you know, uh, my dude Chris Landry is a football scout coach uh, and consultant, and you know he, he used to run the scouting combine back in the day. He's he he does. Uh, on his site and everything, he's got his draft boards, meaning like he evaluates the players. He doesn't necessarily do a mock where he's predicting what teams are going to pick certain players because, well, different teams have different needs. Different teams evaluate players differently. And as I mentioned, one trade, the whole mock is done. That's it. All of a sudden now, every player gets pushed back one spot or whatever and your entire mock draft gets ripped up. So I think it's just better just to evaluate the players, put together your big board, if you will, and then go off that as opposed to which teams are going to take certain players and when. 
uh, you know, you can look at, hey, who's the first, you know, first quarterback or first wide receiver or whatever off the board. I like those bets because that's a talent thing. You can evaluate the talent. You can make your board and you can pick who you think is going to be the first wide receiver taken. Um, and then as far as draft position, well, it's challenging as well. Uh, haven't seen a lot of draft bets get posted, and I don't expect to see a lot of draft gets draft bets get posted, especially here in town in Vegas, because the books absolutely hate it. They can't keep up with the information, and they get burned every single year. We saw during COVID, the COVID draft was the most wagered on draft in history. It was the only sporting event that was going on, and everyone had access to online books with the emergence of legalized sports betting around the country. Books got hammered. People did well. And last year, people, books got hammered again. Uh, we'll talk more about this. Uh, we're going to get Chris Andrews from the South Point on the show uh, at some point, and I'll ask his thoughts about the draft and, and, and everything that goes into setting the lines or trying to think about how much you're going to have available to uh, be wagered on and certainly uh, limits to those bets as well. I want to talk quickly about uh, what we saw here on a short NHL schedule on Wednesday. Rangers defeated the Flyers 4-0. Uh, the Blue Jackets a 5-1 route of the Canadiens and the Avalanche a 9-3 win over the Kings. So all three favorites won. All three favorites covered the puck and a half goal line, uh, and just one game went over, which was the 9-3 route by the Avalanche over the Kings. This was a 4-0 game in the first period. Not a good performance from the Kings team that is really uh, trying to hang in here with uh, their odds to you know make the playoffs. But right now, Colorado pulls two points ahead of Florida for the President's Trophy. They have 112 points. That's the most in the NHL. They've won seven straight games. Uh, Florida has won eight straight games. Florida 9-1 in their last 10. Colorado 8-1-1 in their last 10. Uh, So now taking a look at the Western Conference where the Kings are, because they lose, they do not gain any ground on Vegas, but Vegas didn't play, so they didn't lose any ground. L.A. still has a three-point lead over Vegas for third place in the Pacific Division. And uh, as far as the wild card is concerned in the Western Conference, well, Dallas has 88 points, Nashville has 89 points, and then it's Vegas at 85, Vancouver at 82, and even Winnipeg at 81 still in the mix there for a wild card. Let's take a look at what's on the schedule here coming up on Thursday. So, we just had a short four-game schedule on Wednesday. Much more games on Thursday. The Bruins will host the Senators, and I actually don't see a line on this Bruins-Senators game just yet. Let's double-check, see if we got anything loaded up. And, uh, no, I don't see anything on that one here, so maybe we'll get back to that. Uh, I would expect the Bruins to be favored. The Blues are at the Sabres, and St. Louis is minus 210, total of 6.5. Capitals are at the Maple Leafs, Toronto minus 160, total of 6.5. The Ducks are at the Lightning, Tampa Bay is heavily favored, minus 400. And yes, Tampa Bay needs the win. Tampa is uh, one point ahead of Boston, 
for the third spot in the Atlantic Division. Boston is a wild card team right now, along with the Capitals. The Capitals, though, are only three points back of the Penguins for third place in the Metropolitan. So they might be able to play themselves out of a wild card spot. And uh, the Ducks, meanwhile, we know the season's over for them. Uh, They have uh, lost eight of their last ten. Two of those losses came in overtime. But, yeah, they're a team. They're a play-against team right now. Islanders are at the Penguins. Pittsburgh minus 160. The Red Wings at the Hurricanes. Carolina minus 380 with a total of six and a half. And with the Rangers winning here on, um, on Wednesday, Carolina needs to win again to create more separation between themselves because these two teams will play each other again here at the end of the season. And if there's only a two-point difference, well, there's a chance with the Rangers winning that game, then they can steal first place in the Metropolitan, and then Carolina will be forced to uh, face off against, you know, maybe the Penguins in the first round. So it's an important win for Carolina to pick up at home. The Oilers are at the Predators. Nashville minus 115 in this one. Nashville is a wild card spot. The Oilers are in second place in the Pacific. They are two points up on L.A., but they're comfortable right now because they're five points up on Vegas. So they do not run any risk of right now dropping out of that 2-3 game. It's just a matter of playing for home ice. You know, you want to be the two seed rather than the three seed. So you have home ice in that first round of the playoffs. So uh, Nashville trying to fight to not only stay as a wild card team, uh, well, they're out of the division race. They're not. I know they're seven points back, but they're not going to catch up to St. Louis. So they're just trying to stay a wild card team. One point up on Dallas for the second wild card and four points up on Vegas, who is on the outside looking in. Wilder at the Stars, Minnesota minus 120, Sharks at the Blackhawks, San Jose minus 120, Devils are at the Avalanche, Colorado minus 350, they keep this train moving, you know, trying to lock up the President's Trophy, keep this thing, keep this bus moving, like I said, they've won seven straight games, eight of their last ten, they just dominated the Kings here, (laughs) A 9-3 win. Do they keep it going against the Devils? You would think so. Especially a Devils team that loves to give up goals. You got Vegas at Calgary. Flames minus 160. I kind of like Vegas here. It's a desperation spot for Vegas. It really is. They, They can't afford to lose Any more games. Here's the remaining schedule for Vegas. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games left. At Calgary, at Edmonton, home against New Jersey, home against Washington, home against San Jose, at Dallas, at Chicago, at St. Louis. They will be favored in one, two, three of those games for sure. You got to steal one of these games that you're a dog in. At Calgary, at Edmonton, you know, at Dallas, that's that's going to be the most important game for the wild card. 
at St. Louis. At that point, the Blues just might be resting people to get ready for the playoffs. Last game of the regular season. But you steal a game here against Calgary. You put yourself in a much better position for the final seven games of the season. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on v the sports betting network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.